Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chang. Welcome back, Food and Faith Podcast listeners. So good to have you with us, and it's so good to have all three of us together once again. Sam is here. Hi, Sam. What's up? Yep, we got the band back together. It's about time. I, I love it. I love it. And Anna is here. Hi, Anna. I missed you all. I'm so glad to be back. And we have got an extra little addition. So our little six-week-old may contribute her voice to the podcast today. Um, Fantastic. If uh, Jerusalem Greer can have her roosters join, that um, have our have our little one <laughs> join in. Who, by the way, is very interested in food. I mean, so, primarily. I would milk, think so. But like, she's she's really into food. <laughs> it's it's an important topic for her. <laughs> I was about to say she's at that age where like everything is about food. So, you know, she's she's yeah. perfect, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, it's good to it's good to have you back. Good to have her with us. I'm sure that she will be on uh, many future episodes. Um, so we're we're excited for for her, excited for you. Um yeah. and uh uh just excited about good things that are going on in the world. Um, we need to be reminded of good things that are going on in the world. Um, another, to a lesser degree, good thing that's going on in the world is that- <laughs> You don't um, have to compare. Uh, it, yeah, I was like, I, that was just, that was me trying to make a segue. Um, <laughs> uh, is, is this film that we have been talking about for two years, um, so a lot of our, our followers will see that um, we put it on our Facebook page, the trailer for A Wilderness Like Eden, uh, which is a short documentary that we've we've been talking about for two years. And um, we've we'll, even been like, working on it for two years. We've been working on it for two I mean, years. Or at it's, least like a year and a bit. It hasn't, you know. <laughs> it's been a process. It's been a process. It's been a process. Um, and, uh, you know, starting with some conversations that, that Sam and I had and then just kind of uh, you know, the, the the circle kept getting larger and larger and larger. Um, Anna was a big part of, of writing and actually her voice is what you hear in the in the trailer. Um, and it's just it's been a process. It's just been it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster of a process. Yeah, um, it so was it was this funny thing where it's like the idea got brought up and we're like, that's a terrible idea except it's not and then we kept talking to people and they're like yeah that's not a terrible idea and you're like so wait a second y'all are saying this should be a thing now like like it's just one of those things that never died and here it here it is yeah. one of those weird things that the spirit does where like <laughs> you're just not sure where it's going and then all then after a long time there it is and like and yeah. it's fabulous. There it is. There it is. And um, so uh, it will it'll premiere on Pentecost Sunday, May twenty third, and we'll have more um, we'll have more details about that as we get closer to the date. Um, but uh, Sam and and his ministry at Keep Until and Nuria Love Parish uh, and her ministry at Plainsong Farms, um, Heber Brown and the Black Church Food Security Network and Venus Williams and Alice's Garden in Milwaukee um, are the the four ministries that are kind of highlighted in this. 
And so I'm just, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have it out in the world. Um, some, uh, some, we've actually had, it's been so weird. Like we've had focus groups, like focus groups have watched it. I'm like, I just, feedback. I just feedback. let, I just let a focus group. Like what, what is, what does my life become? Um, now, Derek, I think you need to share with our guests, like what you did in undergrad, because this is like, not this actual big surprise. This is like, exactly. a, this is like a, like this has been a long time in the making. Yeah. Get your big toe out of the sand and. <laughs> yeah. So I was a I was a film studies major, um, at the University of Pittsburgh, known for its film studies program, um, but <laughs> I, I did I did do my undergrad in film, and so you know the idea of making media has all has been a part of my life for you know a long time, a long a long part of my life and you know i got i got distracted by the whole ministry thing um but you know so uh but it's it's nice to be coming kind of full circle and 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 making media again and like this is part of it and um making this film is part of it and hopefully this is the beginning of 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 uh more projects to come and that actually kind of brought uh me to the like I'm so I've been thinking about this high, whole idea of of creating media. I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and uh, you know, last last week's episode, um, Sam and I had the pleasure of talking to Adrian Miller, and we we ended up talking a little bit. We talked about Paula Dean, and we talked a little bit about Bobby Flay and uh, uh, Sean Brock, and these other these other kind of like big names in food and food media and i just i just started thinking about um what what it means even that we have food media the way that we have it in our in our country and what you know and and thinking about like what are some of the what's some of the food media we enjoy what's some of the food media that kind of rubs us the wrong way and, and so i wanted to like since we were all together and uh, I thought I would love to have this kind of conversation um, where we all out ourselves about the food media <laughs> that we we watch and and read and uh, and 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 what we like about that world and um, and what about that that world of food media we'd love to see change. So um, I will I will start and just say that like I I am a uh, I am a binger of, of food media. I am I am a um, any food show that is on Netflix. There's a good chance that I've watched it. Um, not always the serious documentaries, and I will say that about myself. Like I am I am like this documentary will totally change the way that you eat. Like no, I'm probably not. Like, not probably I like not, how I eat. Probably not going to watch that. <laughs> like that is that is not a selling point for me. <laughs> But watch, watch these people make these dishes with this weird ingredient. Yes, yes, I will watch that. Um, so <laughs> that's that's kind of where where I am. I'm curious where where do you where do you two fall on on sort of like the the food media consumption spectrum? Yeah, you know, it's for me, it is a connection point in my relationship with my wife. So we mm. consume a good bit of it. Just it's a good to not like. We really don't like a lot of the same 
shows and media. And so generally we consume different things in different places. Um, mm. you know, but food media is one of the places where we kind of hang out and she will watch the serious documentaries. It doesn't change her eating habits either, but she likes that kind of thing. I am such a competitor that I enjoy watching competition. I, I mean, I, that's, that's just like, yeah. I enjoy watching really excellent people compete at what they're excellent at. Like that, I, I find that inspirational. I, you know, it, it inspires me as a pastor. It inspires me as an athlete. Like I just enjoy that watching awesome people do awesome things and, and to do it in a friendly way up against one another. Um, yeah. you know, so, so we do consume it and it does inform our conversations. Like it makes us want to look for like the next kind of interesting restaurant that's popping up, you know, in around somewhere, you know, which, which invites us to go out. I mean, it builds a relationship, you know, my, you know, and, and it works the same way with my kids. Um, as I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my daughter, Charlotte, who loves to bake. And so when we get a chance to watch baking shows, you know, just to watch her get excited and then watch her bake. And I get to, you know, and we have a good time with that. I am not a baker, can't do it, but watching her do it and then enjoy what, what she produces for the family is a lot of fun. So there, there is inspiration that we get from it. Um, like, like I'm not a binger, so I'm not going to sit and watch, you know, multiple, multiple things. But if Chop's on, if, uh, you know, Iron Chef or whatever, like, yeah, I'm probably in for an episode or two, you know, and that's that's a good time for us and our family. So I do consume a good bit of it, not to mention all the books that are out there as well, which is a whole nother piece of 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 this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I like a good food documentary and I will. I haven't watched all of them, but I watched them. Um, but my real um, food media addiction is Great British Baking Show. And similarly, yeah. Sam, my spouse and I watch it together. And it's one of those shows that it's also, I think it is one of the few shows that is non-stressful for both of us. So mm -hmm. like, I, I, I'm not a big like action violence and he doesn't want to watch the like, you know chick flick like 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 our like relax he's not a rom-com guy huh yeah like our relaxing <laughs> shows are, are generally kind of different but like mm. great british baking show is a place where we both can be like okay it's been a long day we just want to watch something non-stressful um and uh there's like enough competition to keep it interesting but there's like enough human you know interaction um and it's interesting because so i have a I have a gluten allergy. So like 90% of the things on the Great British Baking Show, I can't actually replicate, which I think maybe is like saves our diet because you do kind of get inspired. And then I'm like, well, I can't make that. can't make that. <laughs> but, um, but we have made some things that we've been inspired. We have a new uh, three years running uh, the Boxing Day, day after Christmas tradition of making the, um, the Kronzakea that it's like the stacked um, cake uh, I, think I have to edit this out if I get it wrong. I think it's a Danish Danish wedding cake, uh, but it's like these, okay. it's made out of almonds, uh, almonds, ground almonds, and um, egg white and powdered sugar. And you make these rings and then you stack them up with, and it looks like a Christmas tree. And um, it's it just fun things like that that have actually kind of integrated themselves into our um, into our family traditions. So. I think, yeah, if I had to say, like, what's at the core of my food media, it would be the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> that is the, that is yeah, the foundational I, show <laughs> in so, our household. So, it, 
um, anyone who has seen my my Twitter recently, my my Twitter handle right now is this week's Starbreaker. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know what it is about that show. Like we, I I like I actually avoided it for quite a while. Like it was it was like my my wife. Um, it's 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 funny that we we're all kind of mentioning this because like it ends up being the sweet spot for my wife and I too even though we have a lot of things like we have a lot of media in common but like she loves like where we diverge is that like I'll go off and I'll watch the food shows the food like documentaries and she will watch like any british period thing and so all of a sudden we kind of have this 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 intersection that happens where like we've got something british and something food show and we're like both having an it scratched and like it's really interesting uh that for all three of us that that like these these food shows have are a place of connection um for our spouses like that's that's a really interesting observation um I think it has, I think one of the charms of the Great British Baking Show is just the accents. <laughs> yeah. I, I, did, any, did either of you watch when the like Great American Baking Show came out? I and mean, it was even with the same judges, but like it was like with American uh, bakers. And it was terrible. And I'm like, this is, first of all, like, I just didn't like the personalities. I was all judgy. And then I was like, but I think it's also the accents. <laughs> like, there, there might be something to that. I mean, I think there, there is just a, just uh, ch- <laughs> there is a charm that that uh, Americans tend to find with with British and and like sometimes Scottish and Irish accents yeah. that that appear on the show. Yeah. So, Sam, I'm I'm like you in that like there's there's this little part of me that is um, that likes a competition that likes to see people do things at a really high level um and and compete with other people who are doing things at a really high level but i also have this little bit of a moral tug of war when it comes to like competing around food oh, yeah. like when in a in a world where there are people who are starving and, and in a world where there is food insecurity like the fact that there is so much food competition like has always been something that like I, I watch it and I consume it and I will I will I will fully admit that and and probably won't stop um but there's always been a little bit of a like this is there's a, like a little bit of a cringy aspect to it I'm wondering if that's something that that you felt either of you have felt that like that kind of like cringy like wow it's weird that we compete with food oh goodness yes goodness yes like yeah it 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 doesn't feel real good i'm just like i just know it it's it speaks to me but i'm like yeah there's something wrong here and it feels yeah like what you're saying like i watch these i watch these immaculate chefs produce these tiny little bites that i know that i could not afford if they were in a restaurant and i'm like well, that's not food. Like that doesn't feel like like food as I understand it. You know, nourishes body and soul. And it's not to say it's not art. It's not to say it's not beautiful. But yeah, there is a piece of me that watches people starve and say, "Why are we producing this when we could be producing something that feeds everybody?" And and I don't want to take this into a weird spot, but like it also feels incurably white to me. Mm. Like there is an element to all this. It is very it is very colonizing because we'll mm. hear you know, oh, I I. I 
yeah, cook in this style, this sort of, you know, this American cooking in an Asian style. And like, I'm the expert in Asian cooking. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because <laughs> you inherited this from somebody else. Um, you know, and sometimes the very idea of competition, which I'm, which I'm not opposed to at all, but it carries this idea of conquering somebody else, of demonstrating oneself to be the best better than somebody else like there's this there's this undercurrent of it that yeah is absolutely there um and so so i mean i i i suppose i maybe it makes me a hypocrite but i i, I sort of exist in this kind of this kind of moral gray area where i do enjoy it because i see beautiful things being made and that's fun um you know it, it's the same you you guys are doing the british thing today like it's also like british garden competitions like they don't make a whole <laughs> lot of sense to me either but that's fun like gardening's not really a competition but let's do it anyway just to see who does get the biggest watermelon like cool like that very that very notion of competition is a complicated one yeah. and it takes us to some weird places um so to the point that it inspires, I take it to the point that it um, it actually illustrates real issues in food security and, you know, who gets to tell the story of food, which is something we explored on the last pod, like who gets to tell that story and who those stories belong to and all that. I mean, who we listen to when they tell the stories. Um, yeah, there's a there there's a point at which I I have to reject that even as I enjoy the programming. Yeah, that's a, that's a couple of really good points. I think um, that that is one of the pieces that is interesting uh, about this is that um, we're at an we're at a time in history where um, the work that chefs uh, are doing um, has been elevated to the level of art and 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 being able to appreciate the artistry of the ridiculously small non-filling item that they've just created um, is like there there is absolutely something like there's something beautiful about it there's something to and again just being able to watch someone use a technique and perfect a technique you know i think i think we're we're all kind of drawn to um excellence you know where we're drawn to people doing things at a, at a really high quality um but there but there is something about competition that that creates hierarchies and and i think to your point about um about the the whiteness of the food media space um and 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 the the colonizing aspect of it you know it, it is how how often you know you see uh, your 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 example about like the what the white guy who shows up and says i'm a master of asian food it's like okay um uh, no yeah, i'm sure you're really good at it but like <laughs> I, I bet you i bet you there's someone in asia who would have a difference of opinion right. with you yeah. a grandmother <laughs> right. right and that's the thing it's like it's probably some 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 chinese grandmother who has who has perfected a dish who will never get any sort of media attention but that that's what this this guy you know drew off of yeah. and he gets to be the expert on it and I don't think that's limited to food media, to be to be sure. Like, I mean, I I mean, I was having a conversation with my dentist, and she was joking that in every dentist office, the dentist hygienists always have HGTV on, and so like all this home remodeling and all like that. Those spaces feel very white to me too. Like there is a whiteness to our media, and 
in general. So I don't think food media creates this. I think food media sees a sees a profit margin in approaching it in this way, and therefore they do that. Um, but it, but you know, but that's also why then I'm drawn at times to shows like I know Guy Fieri is a is a bit of an acquired taste for some people, <laughs> but diners, drive-ins, and dives like shows up at the little places, like the places who otherwise yeah. wouldn't get a show, and says, hey, like in your neighborhood, like there's some pretty sweet barbecue or there's some pretty sweet, um, you know, it, it, you know, salads or whatever, you know, highlighting what's going on in your neighborhood, like that has a little bit more of a feel of something more authentic to how I want to consume food and how I want to celebrate local people doing awesome things too. So, yeah. you know, so it, it's, so the competitions are a problem. I'm sure there's problems, you know, even like who gets to select what little restaurant gets to be like the awesome restaurant. Like there's plenty of questions to be asked. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, but yeah, the competition end of it definitely carries elements that are not, that are probably not good for the soul. Let's put it that yeah. way. I find too that I feel like with the competitions and 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 especially the ones where it's mean. I mean that's one of the things I feel like Great yeah. British Making Show. Like I mean Paul can be a little mean, but like overall <laughs> they're like supportive of each other. You know, like you 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 leave it feeling like oh cooking is a good thing. But I feel like like I mean I enjoy a good competition, but I want it to be about like in the end the the winning if you will the um the collaborative like encouragement that everyone can cook and everyone can eat and i think that there's like a um that the competition sometimes can lead to this this elitism and this i mean like you were saying sam like the the whiteness of it the consumerism and this idea that there's like a wrong way to cook and i think mm. that's one of the things that feels kind of um dangerous if you will about the competition is that you know I think about like if you're just consuming like a couple a couple of food media like if you know if you're if you're you know we're we all are kind of you know we're all in and we consume a lot of different media around food but like if you just had one of you know you had watched one food show and it was all about the competition it was all about the experts and it was all about would you leave it saying, you know, I'm going to go try to make a new dish in my kitchen. Right. And I think that that like, that's one of the pieces that feels important to me is like, what, what's the result after consuming the media, right? Like, is it, is it, oh, cool, someone out there did something and got a prize for it? Or is it, I wonder what does happen when you put those two flavors together? Or I never thought about the origin of that particular vegetable and how it can be prepared in different ways in different cultures or what like yeah. I think that that engagement and that way that it invites the watch the people who are watching into actually the process of food um I think is an important part for me yeah and and to the to the point of of um so I've never watched Hell's Kitchen um, like for, for, for me, like the idea, like just the ads that I've seen of Gordon Ramsay, just screaming at people as they're trying to cook things like just is a complete and total turnoff for me. Um, and, and like, yeah, I think there is, there is to me, I, I, I don't know, like I, there is a harshness to that, that I, I just, I, I can't, I can't get behind, um, because I think that, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, one of the things that 
we've seen is that with the rise of of food media people are actually spending less time in the kitchen um i mean that's that's pre-pandemic statistics but like i think it still holds true is that just like the average amount of time that we spend in the actual kitchen um has gone down and i think one of the one of the things that i think is really a danger of 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 food media is saying that there is like an expert class of of cooks and chefs that makes cooking feel less attainable and makes us feel less satisfied with the things that we're able to produce in our own kitchens um so there, there that's sort of the 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 flip side of the coin of of watch on one hand totally love watching experts totally love watching people who are excellent at things and then there's also like uh at some point it becomes like watching football where i'm like i can't run as fast as that guy i can't catch that ball um and i'm not going to try because i know i will hurt myself very badly <laughs> and like the, there there becomes that aspect of it too of like leave it to the professionals um which i i i don't, I don't know I, I think there's there is a danger as you've as you've um as you've said really well anna of like actually alienating people from their kitchens and and wanting to try things and and wanting to figure out what their family's like and 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 things of that nature the devil needs no advocates, so I'm not going to, advocate, but, you know, but like, as, as you're talking about that, like there is, is there not though something to expertise and mastery and having gone on the journey? Like I like, mm. and, and the first, as, as soon as we started talking about this, like the first thing that popped into my head is what I see from clergy on Twitter. Like I see it like five times a day, you know, please don't confuse your Google search with my master of divinity kind of thing. Like <laughs> even in clergy circles, we're like, no, we actually went on the journey. We've thought about this. We've studied this. We've, we've, we've gone through, uh, sort of a hell's kitchen. Hopefully it hasn't been quite that brutal, but there is a, but there is a journey that we go on to attain some level of, of knowledge. And, sure. you know, and, and, and what I do in the kitchen should not be confused with, you know, with what, you know, uh, a Marimoto does in his kitchen. Um, sure. so, so I hear both ends of this that yes, like we should, like, we don't want to create a spiritual space where people are alienated from the stuff that is, that is sort of germane to our lives. Like we should, we want to create spaces where the, the basic things we do create joy in us and create connection around one another. Um, but is there no place for us to say, here's a particular kind of excellence that we want to celebrate? Not as, ha and, and, and maybe the difference is, it's not as in, in the way of this person conquered other people. This person won a competition so much as we say, you know what, the time and effort to be dedicated to food or to be dedicated to carpentry or to be dedicated mm -hmm. to gardening. It isn't, you know, a class. It's, it's years and years and years of practice. And this is, this is what happens when we commit ourselves to a process and to, into the creative aspects of something. So like I said, I'm not trying to be devil's advocate, but to say, you know, that there should be some place for us to say, here are excellent people whom we celebrate, whether that's your grandmother or that's the Iron Chefs on, um, yeah. on Food Network. I think that's a really good point. And to me, it feels like it's the difference of like the why, you know, and, and the meanness, right? I think it's like the meanness versus the celebration, the expertise, yeah. the meanness or the like, um, 
the superiority or the yeah like like you were saying earlier like claiming like I am the expert Asian chef and it's like no you aren't like no, you, you're good you're good expert <laughs> is a different thing right. and, and maybe you and, and maybe to, and maybe it's like I mean it's like what I think we try to do with this pod is is to ask the deeper question of tell us the story of what brought us to the point where you could cook this dish in this way right like and and maybe I will never invest I mean I will just say I will ne- probably I will never invest in learning how to cook that dish in that way. But <laughs> I am, but I can I can appreciate and I'm interested in and I want to hear the story of how someone got to that point. I'm much less interested in the the um, claiming of some <laughs> superior title for the sake of of no. of ego. So maybe that's that's some of the difference and. I mean, and not to like harp on, I mean, to harp on the Great British Breaking Show. Um, one of the things I like is that these are just basic old people, but they are, but they have been practicing, right? Yeah. They practice and practice and practice and they can, and you get a little bit of that story. And I think that's the thing that kind of feels like it's that invitation of, you know, I'm, I'm never going to bake that well, but I can, but I can take the step to say, but I could try this dish. And it yeah. won't look, it won't look as good as it did, but it maybe look better than that person who like went out on the first week, you know, like, like, I, like there's, there's some place for me in it, yeah. even if it's not um, going to be the thing that I'm going to dedicate that energy to. So yeah. And I, I think about that invitation is, is maybe the thing that sometimes I feel like is missing and can can happen with expertise and that we need that but where's the where's the invitation to say here's how that person got there here's the the human steps that happen for us to become experts or or to not become experts but to engage something yeah and i think i think you know great british baking baking show does a great job of saying that like for these people in this show they have upended their lives for the weeks that they are that they are in that competition and like there is a lot of good backstory there um i was thinking though um to to your point uh, to both of your points about like really celebrating the journey one of the shows that is on netflix that i absolutely love is chef's table and it's it's usually focus an episode that's just focused on one particular chef and there's always this journey and like they're always <laughs> it's it's weird because they're always these oddballs like they're these these chefs who like at, like achieve at this level they're always these these absolute weirdos who have fallen in love with food and have like studied and worked really hard started restaurants had restaurants fail um and and then found essentially their voice in cooking but but you know to to that end of like being able to actually you know watch someone's journey being able to watch someone someone's story and their struggles like that for me i think is is more inspiring than like a, a very brief snippet where you see the person's name and hear like where they're from and a 
a snippet of a backstory versus like actually spending some time with a person and listening to their journey and um like ah that's that's how you got to a place where you can call yourself the expert at this particular kind of food yeah. like so I, I i really enjoy i really enjoy um i really enjoy that and i really enjoy those kinds of of media uh those kinds of that 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 style of storytelling um, being dedicated to, to that kind of craft. Who does that well for you, for you both? <laughs> Who models that well while you're thinking like somebody, yeah. and, and you can tell me if you feel otherwise, but mm. yeah. I, and Derek, I was thinking about the class that you've been talking about and mm. your, the books that you keep posting. And Marcus Samuelson is somebody who keeps coming to mind as someone who tells stories in a way that are so engaging that I would not have heard of otherwise. Yeah. And he's such a beautiful example of, of even what this podcast is about, which is about just telling the stories and getting other people engaged in stories that maybe they weren't aware of. Um, and the way that he tells stories about Harlem um, in particular um, just opens my mind, not just to food, but really to history and to, um, you know, to, to, you know, so many different experiences that aren't mine. So he strikes me as somebody that I often find inspired and he doesn't seem to be like, he's competitive. Like he joins in on the competitive stuff, but it never feels like competition is like the be all end all. It really is about showing up as himself and mm -hmm. being a window through which you get to see other people's experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love his work and I, there's a, there's a great um, audio series that he did uh, through audible. Uh, it's a, about uh, Harlem. It's a seven part series where he spends each, each uh, part is a day uh, of the week. I'm talking about his red rooster restaurant in Harlem. Uh, I highly recommend it. He is a great storyteller. Um, and, and actually, which is why his book is, is part of the course. Um, for me recently it's been anthony bourdain and i came to anthony bourdain's work after he passed um like i've never watched his shows um before uh but i um i love the i the ways that he um you know basically tries to understand a culture through its food and not through its high-end food through like its street food through like the foods that the the foods that the grandmother is cooking in um in the in in her home the foods that are um just typical to the area but done by the 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 practitioners who who are focused on good ingredients and focused on on um on health and like you know there's 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 this there's this adventurousness to his travel of like being willing to uh eat the things that might be part of a culture that we as americans would go that's an eyeball i don't <laughs> i don't want to eat that <laughs> No, I really don't. Um, so, yeah. And, and sometimes he eats things and I'm like, eh, yeah. no, no, no. I'm, no, I'm no. a scrapple eater. And yep, that's a step too far. <laughs> like that is, that is a part of the animal that is not, not meant to no, be. Not for me. So, and, but he goes there because like, that's what the people are doing. And like, that's a part of the story. And usually those weird bits have like, have a story to them of like and usually a, a hard story of like why they had to eat that part of the animal you know um so i and i, I just appreciate his his curiosity 
like as I'm catching up on some of the shows that he's produced, just appreciate the curiosity that he brings to each place that he visits and 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 a willingness to learn and a willingness to learn people's history and stories through food. Um, so yeah, he's been a recent one for me. Anna, how about how about for you? Any that stick out for you in terms of who who you think is doing this well in terms of telling stories through food? Um, I've really been enjoying Kulturi's uh, book um, and the way that he tells his own story, but also is, and it's kind of similar to what we both were saying, is inviting other people to explore their stories. And as I was hearing both of you um, talk, it just, it just, it sounds so simple, but it feels like for me that the, the difference is whether there is a curiosity about story or whether there's like a whether the point is to to win something or to attain something and I think that feels like the the maybe the (laughs) the test that I have for whether like food media is something that is appealing to me or I feel like is a is a positive contribution to the world versus something that I'm like eh, (laughs) eh, not so sure about is 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 there a an attention an attention to um where does this come from who who is involved um where are the people and because it's about the food but it's really about the people right like it's about the people's interactions with the food and the people who you know who have access to the food or don't have access the people who have you know been like saying needing to cook the eyeballs because that was something that you know that you're, you use every single part of the animal be that because of of scarcity or because of honoring every mm-hmm. every part of part of the animal and um so i think that's something that i, I look for and that i appreciate is when there's a appealing back and a, a digging deeper and a looking at where where are the stories that that bring us to this point and how is that um how is that lifted up as, as kind of the the value or the the goal is to to be curious and and to to bring out and to hear those stories yeah and Michael Twitty's book, uh, The Cooking Gene, um, is, you know, in some ways kind of what started me, you know, down the road of thinking about um, the ways that that food can be used to tell a people's story. Um, he also uh, appears, he has a, a section in this new book, um, We Are Each Other's His Harvest, um, celebrating african-american farmers land and legacy which is uh so far fantastic uh and and there's so many great there's so many great books coming out right now um about you know the voices that haven't been heard in the food conversation um the voices that have been um overlooked in the food conversation the voices that have been co-opted frankly and and the voices that have been um drowned out by colonial voices you know they're beginning to those those stories are beginning to show up in in book form and i'm, I'm really excited about um i'm really excited about some of that work that's happening so we are in like you know in our very small 
but growing way, um, uh, a contributor to food media, like in in the, like our little our little niche of food and faith, um, which again does seem to be gaining some gaining some steam and gaining gaining some energy. Like we're 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 becoming a part of this conversation. Um, what do you think? I mean, what is what is what is the piece that we add? What is the piece that we're contributing to this conversation? And and um, you know, what's what's missing that we can add? What's what's not what's not being said enough about food that that you feel like what we're doing is trying to um, uh, maybe highlight some things that are not being said in in the in the mainstream food media. Like, how is what are we doing here? <laughs> oh no! Don't ask us that question, there. <laughs> no, but I, I didn't think, mean to get that know, existential. But <laughs> you know, I think I think this podcast exists because this food journey is intensely personal and it does, and it does arise out of, um, you know, a desire to think more deeply about this. And because we've all through various things, and I mean, we could do testimonies on here for a while about how the food conversation brought us into closer, brought us, let's see, how do I want to say this? Brought us closer, increased our awareness of just how close our food is tied to our understanding of God, um, that it has opened our eyes to a bigger experience of God, um, both within our religious traditions and without w- outside of our religious traditions, discovering, you know, just how much God's presence is, is in all of creation. Um, certainly for me, that was it. Um, you know, being a farm kid, it never occurred to me that farming was was vocational work. And by vocational work, I mean, you know, the work of God, that, that which we do um, to develop our relationship with God and with one another. Um, and so, so for me, it's always been like it, this pod has always been about bringing two things together that we've kind of talked about, like, you know, just a welcoming environment of telling stories. And that's all we've ever really done is just have people on, tell us your story. I mean, that from day one, that's been the first question we've asked every guest is tell us your story, because that's what matters more than any publication. That's what matters more than any movie. That's what matters more than any class. Tell us your story. Yeah. But I also, um, at least for me personally, I've always tried not brought competition, but brought intensity to that, that like this matters um, and that this impacts people. And as somebody who has committed their life in some way, shape or form, as many of us do, but in my own unique vocational call has committed my life to serving others, there is an intensity about this, which for me, competition informs, even if it doesn't shape it. Like I understand my own intensity when I come to competition, I can bring that same kind of intensity in a different way that isn't about defeating an opponent, but it's about lifting up a neighbor. And when that kind of intensity happens, there's inspiration that comes with that. And people's visions, I think, are widened. So, and I don't mean to say that I've brought that. It's just that's why I do the pod to bring intensity and passion to something that is local and germane and ordinary. And I think in that overlay, which food does so wonderfully, in that overlay is something of an experience of of the kingdom, passionate love of God and neighbor. 
by sharing the basic goodness of our lives together and ensuring that everybody has access to those to the to that basic goodness. So I hope the pod does that. Um, that's always been my intention with the pod is to get people fired up about the everyday things. And if it does that, rock on. If you know, and we're still exploring how to do that, still figuring out how to tell our stories better, still figuring out where it's going. Um, but that's why I keep showing up to the pod. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Anna, how about for you? Yeah, well, I mean, it just makes me think about like the origins of this pod is that a number of us were uh, gathering together physically, you know, back in that back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> uh, uh, to talk about this intersection of food and face, and um, it was specifically at a, a gathering that Fred Bonson had put together at Wake Forest, um, and there was kind of a series of gatherings. So I, I kept finding myself in these rooms with amazing people and um you know fred has a real gift of not just bringing the top chefs in if you will right like mm. of of finding like you know if we go with the analogy like where where's the little mom and pop diner and where's and and bringing people across the spectrum of expertise and and it just i just kind of kept feeling the the awe and the um the appreciation and and the privilege of being in these rooms hearing people's stories mm-hmm. i mean that's that's when i first said we need a podcast it was that because i was like i'm here and i, I want a lot of other people to have access to this and i think there are a lot of other stories that of course, that are not even in this room. And it was a, it was a well gathered room, right? But there, but there are people who aren't here. Um, And so I guess that's continues to be my, my hope for the pod and for our documentaries and for, for all that we do with in this storytelling movement is to have more people listening to one another's stories and more people telling their stories. And that it's um, it's not about just the experts, but we do want experts, right? And it's not about just the story you never hear, hear, hear otherwise, but we do want those stories. And I think it's also, I mean, this was touched on earlier. I think for me, it's also finding the story behind the expert too, right? I mean, like was just pointed out that we, you know, we may have someone on the show because they just published a book. And likely, usually their topic might have something to do with their background and the geography, but we don't, we never start with, tell us about your book ever. Right. 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 We start with, tell us about your geography, your, you human being, not you author, not you chef, not you theologian, you human being, tell us what shaped you and brought you to this place and to this day. Um, and so I guess if, if there's kind of like a core piece that I hope that our media can do is it's, it's to do that with the people we engage with, but it's also to be that invitation that somebody might be sitting across the picnic table from somebody and say, tell me about your geography, like, or where did you come from? You know, maybe, maybe there can be a conversation starter at coffee hour. That's not, what do you do professionally? Right. Instead, where did you grow up? Yeah. 
what kind of food did you eat when you were six years old that you remember? Oh, that that we can be part of um, supporting more of a culture of curiosity and of of storytelling and of of inviting that kind of reflection um, with one another. Yeah, that's my hope. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I, I think you know you, you you bring me back to the fact that like. You know, I, I, I garden and I read a lot, but like my expertise isn't food, right? My expertise is um, both telling and listening to story and asking questions. Like that's my expertise. That's the only expertise that I'm bringing to this endeavor um, is, is a desire to hear and tell stories. Um, and I think that's food becomes such a v- great vehicle for storytelling because there are universal aspects of it, and yet there are very intimate aspects of it. And and it's that simultaneously universal and intimate aspect of food that I think just makes for this intriguing uh, conversation of of this is how i'm connected to the entirety of humanity but also my mom it made this one thing this one way that i really liked and and it's and it's very very personal and private um and i i just think food has a way of doing that and i think when we um you know what gets lost and again you know i i i I likely will, you know, continue watching things like the Great British Baking Show, but, um, but, but so much of what gets lost in 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 competition is the inability to really see uh, the person across from you because you you when if you're ever in in a competitive situation, like people will will people who compete at the highest level will actually say like there is a competitive advantage that comes to dehumanizing the person who's across from you. Um, That's kind of the opposite of what we want. (laughs) It's, it's about humanizing. It's about, it's about seeing the heart of a person. It's about seeing the hearing the struggles that might've led to the discovery of a dish or the the struggles that may have led to a love of cooking or the struggles that may have led someone into a garden, um, uh, the joys that may have led someone to a dish or to a garden. I think those are the things that, um, that excite me. And And I think that one of the things that I hope that we're contributing is that there is a, there is a spiritual side to to food in whatever ways you understand spirit but you know understanding it through the christian tradition that like there is there is something um unifying that that the soil that produces the the tomato plant is also the soil that produced me um and the soil to which both i and the tomato plant will return and and that god 
put that sequence into motion and that sequence um is is unifying and is um universal and um and there's something holy and awe-inspiring about that sequence um and that we should we should take the time to slow our lives down to think about um the holiness and the sacredness of producing and eating food and being a part of natural cycles in that way so i hope i hope that we do that i hope that we we invite people to slow down and 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 consider um you know i hope that we can get from from a place of mindless consumption to a place of contemplative consumption um and that we can be a vehicle through which some of that contemplative consumption uh can take place really beautifully said and it makes me think derek that you know in our religious traditions across religious tradition one of the main ways that that happens that that those shifts happen of from mindlessness to mindfulness from you know like paying attention to the connections is through story yeah right so that that like kind of the goal and the the means are the same which is we we tell our stories so that we can be mindful of our stories and our stories help us to be more alive and engaged in 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 the lives in the stories that we're living so yeah yeah that's that's so that's so true um and i think that's you know that's that's what we're trying to do with the documentary is we're we're using another means of telling story and um you know for me um again as someone who who went into undergrad thinking about filmmaking um it's always like i've sure there's there's always been a spectacle um about film that i've enjoyed but for me it's always about it's always about storytelling it's always been about telling a good story um being able to tell story in multiple ways you know i think one of the things that's slightly limiting about podcast is like we're 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 talking and like that's the only way that we really have to tell our stories and 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 that's a great way of telling story but to be able to add that visual level to storytelling that like there are ways in which um you know a picture is worth a thousand words and um and and a moving picture um even more so that the ability to tell story um, is amplified. Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, this this documentary, um, A Wilderness Like Eden, you know, we had in mind this one story that we wanted to tell about these ministries and these folks who were doing this, this great ministry. And then a pandemic hit. And the story completely changed and it became the story of what did these ministries do in the midst of a pandemic? Um, and how did the pandemic change these ministries and change the folks who were doing the work? And I, I'm, it's not the story that we set out to tell. <laughs> 
it's not the story we thought we were going to tell. And also I was so struck by it is too, because Mm. one of the things that I, that we found as we got the, the interviews and we're writing a script is that one of the reasons that these particular ministries were primed when the pandemic hit to respond to their communities was because of the DNA of who they were mm. prior. And, and that just is, I don't know, this feels really important and striking to me that um, there's a prophetic nature to these stories of these ministries that I think points to the world that many of us hope for and, and a world that's looking at where are the cracks in the system um where are the broken places and that when the pandemic hit the cracks were not a surprise to these ministries in the way that i think they were a surprise to others and the response while certainly had to shift and pivot and figure out how covid protocol but like the the value based or the 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 dna the core of what these folks were doing was ready to respond because they already knew that the cracks were there and they already yeah. knew what what the broken links were and they were already working to to do that work of repair and renewal and you know that's one of the things that's really inspiring to me about this this piece about this documentary is that yes it's set in the pandemic pivot but it speaks to something that is so much broader and deeper and forward vision casting, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's saying, this is how we responded to this particular crisis, but this, more importantly, this is the world we are trying to build. Yeah. This is the world we are trying to support, nurture and grow. Um, and I, I know one of my hopes, I think, I think I can say our hopes for the documentary is to lift up these four particular stories as an invitation for many, 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 many more stories to come. And to show that this, yes, these are people who are phenomenal human beings and experts and their field. And all four of them will tell you, we're just people who are trying to follow God and serve our community and you can too, right? That there's like that invitational quality to say, um, you've been wondering about what you could do in your local community around food sovereignty. Here's some examples. Yeah. try it it's not a how-to but it is a it's what we were talking about earlier with the food it's a let's trace it back and find out how did this person get there how did this how did this develop to that point what's underneath so that you can too yep. <laughs> um and yours might will look different and every context will have a different different um expression but that um it's not just a, my hope is this is not a documentary just to watch but it's one that people will watch and then they will go and do something differently in their life, in their community, in their church, in their school, in their front yard, um, because of seeing these glimpses into these stories. Yeah, no, that's, that's really well said. I I think, you know, kind of wrapping it all up. I think the best of food media is invitational. It's an invitation into, um, it's an invitation into your own kitchen. It's an invitation into uh, 
your own food history, your own food story. Um, it's an invitation into um, into other people's worlds and other people's stories um, in a way that should that in the best of situations causes some reflection into your own story and your own um, your own way of being in the world. And, and, you know, so we always, we always kind of end with hope. And I think that my hope for this, as, as you've just said uh, beautifully, is that um, people will see these stories, these four stories that'll be a part of this documentary and, and begin to ask the questions about where is my, where is my place in this? Um, where is my place in thinking about the the broken food system? Where is my place in thinking about the ways that we use land? Where is my space in thinking about um, the ways that we care for our neighbors with our physical locations? Um, and that that becomes an invitation. Um, and that becomes an invitation that people accept and um, and and follow through on. And then we get to tell those stories, right? And then we get to tell those stories. Write those stories, you know, we get to like. I, I'm excited to learn about the stories in the next few years that are that the seeds that are planted, and what are how are those going to grow? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's 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 really exciting to think about, like the stories that could be inspired by these four stories and then telling those stories and the stories they can inspire and, and just, you know, telling them over and over again. And I, and, and seeing the impact that that can make. And um, it's a really exciting thing. So quick before we go, one more media, food-based, food-based media. Um, a year ago, my book, This is God's Table, Finding Church Beyond the Walls, came out, and it was about the story of the Garden Church and what happens when you take an empty lot and turn it into an urban farm, an outdoor sanctuary. And a year later, the audiobook is out. So for those of you who are listening to a podcast, if you want to listen to the book, um, it's available on Audible. I'm a bit sad to report that it is not me narrating it. So when the narrator says San Pedro, know that it really is Pedro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But hashtag pandemic, we don't always get to do what we want to do. Um, But I'm really thrilled that it's out in the world and I hope that it will make the book accessible to those who are um, more inclined to listen to a book rather than read. And if that's if that's if that's you and if that's how you um are able to consume media that i just wanted to let the, the, our listeners know that that is available and um thank those of you who have already downloaded it and um and let me know that you're listening to it it's really just kind of amazing that people <laughs> read and listen to our work so <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for being part of that the podcast community <laughs> And whether you're reading it in physical copy or off of a, a Kindle or something like that, or if you're listening to it, I really highly recommend um, This is God's Table to you. It's a fin- phenomenal book, and it's a great story. Um, I think at, at the heart of it is a is this wonderful story of, of people finding, um, finding their place um, in 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 god's world and figuring out ways to love their neighbors and it's it's a phenomenal story and so thank you anna for for writing it and and for living it (laughs) and and for um 
inviting all of us into your story and the story of the Garden Church. Um, so for our listeners, we would love to hear from you um, what what food media that you're listening to. You can tell us on our Facebook page. You can tell us uh, at Food and Faith Pod on at Twitter on Twitter um, and on Instagram. Uh, love to hear from you about what what is the food media that you are consuming, the food media that you love, and the food media that you would like to see. Um, because I think that there there is still more work to be done in this space. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Um, and talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep and Tell. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org.